I want to introduce why temples. Most people in the church and definitely out of the church don't understand why we build temples. There are people who have become very bitter towards the church because we have kind of this exclusive club and I don't want to belong to the exclusive club. And they see the fact that only certain people can go to the temple as this exclusion. And so I want to start with why temples? Why temples? Now we particularly, we often speak of three degrees of glory. Now this is where we have a disadvantage because the three degrees of glory use the same terms as worlds and laws. And so let's distinguish between telestial kingdom and a telestial world. The telestial kingdom is someday, long from now, it's a kingdom of glory for those who choose to live a telestial law. It's for those who chose to stay in a terrestrial world. And we need to start to think about our journey through mortality as a journey through the different worlds and the different laws associated with those worlds. Now, let me just bear you my testimony. Everyone goes to the kingdom they want to go to. With all my soul, I testify that everyone goes to the kingdom they want to go to. If someone does not want to go to the celestial kingdom, what would be the most cruel thing that a loving Heavenly Father could do to them? Send them there. there. Would they be happy in the celestial kingdom? They wouldn't. Are there a large portion of Heavenly Father's children who choose terrestrial and choose and want to go to a terrestrial kingdom? And does Heavenly Father allow for that? Does our Heavenly Father allow for multiple kingdoms of glory? So the challenge we need to start off with is we need to distinguish between kingdoms of glory and the journey to get there. If we talk about being in a celestial world, will you not think I'm being judgmental and pointing the finger and saying those people are gonna go to the celestial kingdom? If we talk about being part of a terrestrial world, if we talk about terrestrial things and holding on to terrestrial things, would we all acknowledge that that's something every one of us has to do? Every one of us has to journey through the celestial world, come out of the celestial world and into a terrestrial world, and then out of a terrestrial world and into the celestial. Now, those of you who've been to the temple know exactly what I'm talking about because that's portrayed in the temple. We are now exiting the celestial world. You've made some progress. You've let go of celestial things. So now we're going to get out of the celestial world and now we're into the terrestrial. So knowing that distinction, I just, I I feel like I had to have that discussion because we're going to talk a lot about celestial and we're going to talk a lot about terrestrial. And I will fully admit there are things I do in my life that are celestial and I'm trying my very best to let go of celestial things. But that in no way is a suggestion that I'm pointing the finger and saying, you're going to the celestial kingdom. We all okay with that? 
Okay, so turn with me to Doctrine and Covenants section 88. Ironically, the section that introduced the temple, the section where the Lord called for the saints to build a temple was section 88. But prior to getting there, the Lord is teaching this idea that Jesus is light and life and law. Section 88 is a beautiful commentary on the power of Christ and who he is and what he did. And so early on in section 88, sorry, let me get there. Okay, I don't know how to get that thing in the corner. That's just all of a sudden, that's suddenly starting to come. It's driving me crazy. If you can figure out how to make that go away, you're my hero. I've turned it off so many times, but I don't know how to make it stay off. Um, maybe we start in verse 6, that what made the Savior the Savior is He ascended up on high and He descended below all things. He comprehends everything in between that He might be in all things the light of truth. So our first title of Christ is light. Which truth shineth? And this is the light of Christ. And then we introduce that that light giveth life and law. Jesus is light, life, and law. Now I'm guessing You've talked many times about Jesus is light and Jesus is life. But I'm wondering how many times we've talked about Jesus is law. If you're going to go to the Telestial Kingdom, it's by Jesus. And it's the aspect of law. And so this Doctrine and Covenants now gets into, notice what we do next. We do life. We do light and then law. And I want to turn to verse 34. Doctrine and Covenants section 34, I think, is the essence of where we need to begin with temples. Verily, well, maybe we, uh, we ought to go earlier. Maybe we ought to start in 22. I think you know where we're going with this one, right? 21, maybe. They who are not sanctified through the law which I have given unto you, even the law of Christ, must inherit another kingdom, even that of a terrestrial kingdom or that of a celestial kingdom. Now, how do I get to a celestial kingdom? How do I get to a terrestrial and celestial kingdom? For he who is not able to abide the law of a celestial kingdom cannot abide a celestial glory. If you don't want to live a celestial life, you don't have to. And Heavenly Father has a kingdom where you will be happy. He who cannot abide the law of a terrestrial kingdom cannot abide a terrestrial glory. If you want to get into a terrestrial kingdom, obey a terrestrial law. And he who cannot abide the law of a celestial kingdom cannot abide a celestial, sorry, he who cannot abide the law of a celestial kingdom cannot abide a celestial glory. Therefore, he is not meet for a kingdom of glory. 
for he must abide a kingdom which is not a kingdom of glory. So the minimum is to live celestial law. That's the minimum. And may I suggest that that's the starting point. We come into this world programmed to start at the telestial law. Now, I love this, going back to verse 34, I love this idea. Verily I say unto you, that which is governed by law is, notice the words, preserved by law, perfected and sanctified by the same. Now, is there anyone in in here perfectly celestial? No. So how do you become celestial? You lean into the law. And as as you govern yourself by the law, as you even take strides to govern yourself by the law, what does the celestial law start to do? If you make any effort to obey the celestial law, what does it start to do? It starts to perfect you. It starts to sanctify you. And it will preserve you. Which law you choose to obey is the law that protects and governs you. And it's the law that sanctifies you. And this is true of all the laws, right? If you want a kingdom of glory, what do you have to do? What will preserve you and protect you and give you a kingdom of glory? Obeying celestial law. What will grant you a terrestrial glory? Obeying a terrestrial law. And how will you become a celestial being? You begin, begin to obey the law. You govern your life by that law and it starts to preserve you. So let's draw them. Let's just simply say, here we are. Here is the telestial law. And everything in its world obeys the telestial law. This is the telestial world. And I don't mean telestial kingdom. I mean telestial world right here, right now. And all you have to do is turn on the news and you'll recognize there's a lot lot of people are obeying celestial law. But what the funny thing is, I don't think they fully understand what is celestial law. Celestial law isn't go out and murder and kill and be adulterous, right? That's not a command to do so. So what is celestial law? What's the difference between celestial beings and sons of perdition? Anyone want to answer that? If we can, we conclude that that sons of perdition are unwilling to obey the celestial law. Do we all agree with that? Therefore, if we want to identify celestial law, we have to identify what is the law that that sons of perdition are unwilling to obey. Now, here's my pet peeve. A lot of people think that if you're bad, you go to the celestial kingdom. Does that make doctrinal sense that if you sin, you get a kingdom of glory? 
That is horrible doctrine, right? You don't get a kingdom of glory for doing something bad. You, you get a kingdom of glory for doing something very, very good. What is the very, very good thing that celestial people do for which they receive a kingdom of glory? I'm going to let everyone ponder that for a second. What is the very, very good thing that celestial people do for which they receive a kingdom of glory? You can't say they murdered and lied and committed adultery and for that they received a kingdom of glory. That makes no doctrinal sense, right? CJ, what do you got? They were faithful in their first estate. So we know that they chose, they had the faith, they chose God's plan to be here. So the essence of telestial law is to choose Jesus at its most basic level. Now, we're in section 88, right? So let's go back a little bit. Let's go to set verse 27. What group of people get resurrected in verse 27? Just driving me crazy yeah well it updated over the holidays and now i have no idea how to turn it off who gets resurrected in 27 who gets resurrected in verse 27 okay sorry 28 sorry 28 who gets resurrected in 28 celestial right so we pull out all the celestial people who gets resurrected in verse 29 Terrestrial. Okay, sorry. That's why you're looking at me weird. Okay, starting in 29. It's this. This is the problem. See, this threw me off. 29 who gets resurrected. Celestial. 30 who gets resurrected. 31 who gets resurrected. So who would be left on earth needing to be resurrected? If we've pulled out all the celestial, all the terrestrial, all the telestial, who would be left? Sons of perdition who came to earth and got a body. They will be resurrected. Anyone who got a body. So Satan is not one of them, right? But are there a handful of sons of perdition who were born and will be resurrected? Yes, you're fine. They will. So notice if it says in verse 32, they who remain shall be quickened. If you were born, if you got a body, you will be resurrected. Nevertheless, they shall return again to their own place to enjoy that which they are willing to receive because they were not willing to enjoy that which they might have received. So who are we talking about here? Sons of perdition, right? You are a son of perdition if you don't receive the one thing that gets you a kingdom of glory. What is the one thing? Verse 33, you tell me what the Savior's saying here. For what doth a man, for what doth it profit a man if a gift is bestowed upon him and he receive not the gift? Behold, he rejoices not in that which is given unto him, neither rejoices in him who is the giver of the gift. What lights are going on? Tell me what's happening in your head. Jensen? Jensen, tell me. Well, I was thinking like 
If they receive not Christ, in which I would say they deny him. Okay, so the celestial law is to accept that Jesus is the Messiah at the most basic level. What is the main reason people who go to the celestial kingdom will accept Jesus? To get them out of pain. A most basic level. To accept Jesus at its most basic level. Now, I don't know if I can define that other than what you're reading here, and I don't know that we need to, but let me be clear. Who are the celestial people that go to a celestial glory? Those who accept Jesus at his most basic glory. If you don't accept Jesus, you don't even get a kingdom of glory. You cannot reject Jesus and get a kingdom of glory. Now, maybe you'll do it in the spirit world where you're suffering. But if you accept Jesus, if you accept the gift, what's the gift bestowed upon you? Would it be a testimony by the Holy Ghost? That's part of it. But what's his gift that I receive? I have to accept his atoning sacrifice. I have to accept that at its most basic level. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I want to start with that because sometimes we perceive celestial people as just depraved animals who live by animal instinct. But I want to point out that the celestial law is to accept Jesus at his most basic level. Therefore, summarize what is terrestrial law. If that's the pattern, what is terrestrial law? You got it. And what is celestial law? That is the best explanation I can give you. To accept Jesus, even in my agony in hell, when I'm paying for my own sins and finally say, this is stupid, I accept Jesus and I get out and I get a kingdom of glory because I accepted Jesus at its most basic level. But then I step up and accept him at a higher level. And I obey higher laws. And then I step up and I accept him at the fullness, at the, high, the glory of who he is. And I obey higher laws. So that being said, where do we start? Tell me where we start our lives. We come to earth in a default position of which one? We are born with which one programmed into us? We come, I, 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 I think you can make all sorts of arguments, but we come battling which one first? Maybe that's a better way. We come naturally the natural man and has to overcome the celestial world. We use all sorts of phrases to describe this world. The natural man is one of them. The man of sin. Probably the best description is the one the Book of Mormon uses, and that is we have to struggle to overcome the natural man. We come into this world living terrestrial, or sorry, celestial law. So what got us out of heaven? What got us out of premortal life and brought us to heaven? What did we all do? Every one of us. We did what? I accept enough of, the, uh, enough of his plan 
to come to earth. See the connection? I've conne- I have accepted. Everyone got earth because they accepted at some basic level God and his plan and the Savior. So here we are, and we've entered this telestial world. Now, the telestial world has to be written inside us. Now, a lot of people will criticize God because men are evil. But would we have agency if we didn't have this natural telestial tendency inside of us? We would not have a choice. And so we all start here. This is the default for coming to earth. And if you never change and you stay in that telestial world, you have a kingdom of glory to go to, but that's kind of the life you're going to live. So the kind of life we see the natural man living is the most basic, except Jesus got to earth, but now I'm an animal. And I eat and I sleep and I try to reproduce. Now, somewhere along the line, Heavenly Father comes along and says, I invite you to accept more of Christ, to live higher laws. And the invitation is to get out of the celestial world and into the terrestrial. Now, the Lord says, let me help you. Let me give you covenants and ordinances that focus on that. Let's focus there. Can we focus on giving up the natural man and becoming terrestrial with a handful of ordinances? And for the most part, where are those ordinances found? Where do we find the ordinances associated with stepping up to a higher terrestrial law? We find them in the chapel. And what do we say on the outside of our buildings? Everyone welcome, because why? Not a person on the planet that isn't struggling with that change. And this isn't something you do and you're done with, right? Have you ever met a person that's completely overcome the natural man? I know of one. No one else. And I don't mean this in any negative way, but do you think Russell Nelson still struggles with natural man temptations? I believe he does. Did Joseph. Months before, months before he was killed in 1844, he was so angry at a tax collector who was being so unfair, he punched him. He just decked him. And I'm so great. I love reading that story. (laughs) Joseph was so mad, he just punched him. Now, would you say that was Joseph's celestial moment? Probably not. And I don't even think I would say that that was a Joseph's terrestrial moment. Did Joseph Smith have a few celestial moments in him? He did. And I'm so grateful that he did because what's the message? This is a lifelong pursuit. And everything we do in the church is going to be focused on overcoming the natural man and coming into the higher law of the terrestrial world. Now, this is where I pause and say, I've produced a couple videos that talk about this. I'm going to give that to you as your homework. I'll show you those at the end of the class. But 
Think about everything we do in the chapel. What's the first ordinances of the chapel? Baptism, even before sacraments, baptism, right? And what is the whole point of baptism? We don't do this. This isn't baptism. What is baptism? It's a death and a burial. What's dying? What's the symbolism of going into the water and dying? My natural man. I am covenanting to kill the natural tendencies inside me. And so I'm going to kill my natural man and come up. And Now, does anyone truly do it? No. So we go to church the next week, and what do we do? We renew that covenant with a piece of bread. Now, part of the resources I'm going to send you talk about Old Testament chapel ordinances versus today's chapel ordinances. What would they do in the Old Testament right here? What was the ordinance that they would perform in the Old Testament to help them to manifest the overcoming of the animal inside them? Okay, so we talk a little bit about that, and I'll send you the video, but we talk about killing that natural man and burning it on the altar. Sacrifice was never about killing an animal. It was about killing the animal inside us. Now, when Jesus ended animal sacrifice after his atonement, what did he replace it with? What was the, what was the, what was the offering, though? No more animals. Remember what he said? A broken heart and a contrite spirit. And what do we do to that bread every Sunday? In other words, what am I reminded to do every time I partake of a broken piece of bread? What am I really trying to break here? I'm trying to break the celestial man inside me, the natural man. And every ordinance, sacrament, uh, Sabbath day, word of wisdom, now, are there, are there associated with these covenants the law of obedience? When do I first covenant to obey the law of obedience? In baptism. But at what level? This level. Do I obey a law of sacrifice? Is there a law of the gospel here? Is there chastity? Are there things like tithing? All of those are chapel ordinances designed to do what? What's the purpose of almost all of those ordinances, all of those covenants, everything that we participate in any of these chapels? Overcome the natural man. Overcome the celestial tendencies inside of you and live a higher law. Accept more of Christ be sanctified by a higher law, live a higher law, come out of the celestial world. Now, here's the bad news of the restoration. What we have learned in the restoration is when you come this far, you are, you're not done yet. In fact, you're not even halfway. So, can you blame the converts who you taught in the mission field for being a little reluctant to join the church because what were you saying to them? There is a whole nother journey ahead of you. So this is where the Lord says, okay, those of you who are making progress, 
those of you who are committed to overcoming the telestial and you've made great progress <coughs> and you're not yielding to the natural man to the extent that you've overcome them. Now we need a place. We need a place where people who are making that same striving to overcome, that, to, to overcome those same things, we need a place to go. And it's not an exclusionary clap. It's not we're better than you. It's just that I need instruction on how to be celestial. I need a place where I can be taught by ordinances and symbols and covenants what part of me is celestial and needs to be let go of. I don't even know what's terrestrial. I think you could name a whole bunch of celestial sins that would keep you out of the temple, right? Now go ahead and name a whole bunch of terrestrial sins. And what would the average member of the church do? I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay. I need a place where I can go and focus on this. I need ordinances that are higher than these ordinances because the purpose of those ordinances is a completely different purpose. We talk about overcoming the natural man all the time, don't we? But we don't talk much about overcoming the terrestrial man because where is that discussion held? Where do we, what is the place where we focus on this, that has always been in another place. The Lord has always built temples and the invitation to the temple, the invitation to the congregations, the synagogues was to everyone. Come, we're all overcoming the natural man. Every one of us struggles with that. But to those of you who want to now focus on the next step up and the challenges of overcoming the terrestrial, we need a place where we can be instructed. Now, let me illustrate. When, when the early saints, when the church was restored and we started talking about Zion and building Zion and we're going to build this beautiful city and we're going to build Zion and they tried, right? And they failed. And what was the main reason they failed? Let's go to section 105 when the Lord explains why the early saints were not allowed to continue to build Zion. He Lord explains, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why this generation is not going to finish Zion. I know you tried and I bless your heart for trying and I'm so grateful they tried, but they st the Lord says, I'm going to stop you. We're going to put a pause on it. And why is it? Because the only way you can build Zion, the only way we can build a celestial city is how? If we are a celestial people. Can a terrestrial people build a celestial city? It's not going to happen. It never can happen. And the Lord was saying, you can't build a celestial city unless you become a celestial people. And the only way 
you can become a celestial people. Let's read verse 9. I need someone to read. Therefore, anyone want to read for me? It says, therefore, in consequence of the transgression of my people, it is expedient me that my elders should wait for a little season for the redemption of Zion. Okay, so what have we been waiting for? What has this church been waiting for in order to build Zion? We will never build a celestial people until, I want to get to 11, that's where we're going, but let's read 10 first. We'll never build a celestial city until we ourselves are prepared that my people may be taught more perfectly and have experience and know more perfectly concerning their duty and the things which I require at their hands. Now, where is that going to occur? Where are we? I want them both on. Let me put them both on. Where are we going to be prepared and taught and experience so that we know what he requires of us in order to build a celestial city. Where are we going to be taught that? In his house. So why did we not build Zion then in the 1830s? We were not the people that could build Zion. And what have we been doing ever since? Building temples. Now there was a day where you only got a temple if you could pay for it. When I was... I'm not that old. When I was in my teens, we built the 12th temple of the church. The 12th temple. You could only have a temple if you could pay for it. And now what are we doing today? We are building temples where they, there's no way they can, there's no way they can pay for the temples they're getting. And we needed time to be able to do that to be able to buy the materials to build the temple for people who couldn't afford them because there's no way we will be prepared to build a celestial city without what? Without his house. Therefore, what is the role of that in the restoration and the coming of the Savior? Now, we have not been having those conversations. I think your ancestors and your parents, I love them. I love my parents and I love my grandparents. I think they went to the temple sure out of love for it, but they didn't necessarily have the conversations that we need to have in the temple. Read this, that they themselves may be prepared, that they may be taught more perfectly have experience and know more perfectly concerning our duty and the things which he requires. We need to start having the conversations about what does God require of us to be a celestial people. The purpose of this class is to start to have those conversations. Now, do you see our dilemma? What's our dilemma? We're not in the place where we can have those conversations. And that's my challenge. How do we, in a chapel, have conversations about temple ordinances? So we will do our very best. I will fully admit our limitation is that we're not in the place where we can fully talk about all that we need to talk about. But I want to start today on day one to change your mentality that we go into that building, not as a reward for having done something good, 
but as an invitation to take the next step, to live the next law, to be prepared and taught and experience what I need to do so that I know what he requires at my hands. We need to start having conversations about overcoming the terrestrial man inside me. And that is the purpose of the temple. Every symbol, every covenant, every ordinance at its heart is designed to help me overcome the terrestrial and become celestial. Any thoughts before we go on? This class got really quiet. Tell me why. <laughs> what are you thinking? What's your initial impressions? Any thoughts? Now, I know what you're all sitting there saying. Some of you are probably sitting there saying, what in the world does it mean to be terrestrial? We'll do that. We'll finish that. We'll start that conversation. And then we're going to start looking at covenants and symbols and ordinances that help me understand terrestrial. Before we do that, any thoughts? You starting to see why we need temples? It's not an exclusionary club, is it? It's not a, hey, look at us. We're better than you. It's, I'm here to work. I'm here in this temple to talk about the next step in my salvation. Okay, so let's now ask the question. Can we at least start to put some meat on the bones of what's the difference between these? Can we have a discussion in the chapel about the basic difference between the celestial law the terrestrial law and the celestial law. What kind of things am I holding on to if I'm in the celestial world? And what kind of things are terrestrial? The more we can begin to understand what these are, the more we can begin to see in the ordinances an invitation to let go of them. I always think about um, Moses bringing the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel and that because they were not ready for the higher law. Yeah. So wouldn't it be fascinating to say, what is the higher law as compared to the lower law? That's exactly what Jesus did when. When did Jesus say, let me take you up a notch from the law of Moses? Sermon on the Mount. That's where we're going. Let's do Book of Mormon version and you'll see why. So everyone turn to 3 Nephi chapter 12. We're going to do Book of Mormon version because the plain and precious truths lost in the Bible claimed the first two Beatitudes. We have lost the first two Beatitudes. Now, luckily, the Book of Mormon restores it. And so we need to understand that. So let's go to the Book of Mormon version, 3 Nephi chapter 12. So 11 is when he comes down and he descends. And then chapter 12, he teaches the, book of, the, New, the New Testament version of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, wait a minute, I want this one. No, I'll use this one. Okay. All right, now we're missing the first two Beatitudes. Let's get the first one. Verse 1, tell me what the first Beatitude was. The first Beatitude. Blessed are they that follow prophets, seers, and revelators. That's it. The first Beatitude is blessed are they who follow prophets, seers, and revelators. Because where are prophets, seers, and revelators trying to lead me? Into the celestial world. 
Okay, so blessed are you if you follow prophets, seers, and revelators. Now, here is the great missing one. Verse 2, give me the second beatitude. Blessed are those who... And get baptized. Now, where are we in my chart when I'm getting baptized? Okay, I've made some progress, right? Because does everyone get baptized? Those of you who served as district leaders and zone leaders, did you ever turn someone away? I turned dozens of people away. Well, they were not ready to get baptized. They hadn't done what we, need, what we ask of them to come into this state. So we need to work on that. But if you're getting baptized, isn't membership in the church an assumption of at least the beginning stages of a terrestrial life? Wouldn't you say that membership in the church assumes we're striving to overcome the natural man? Because what keeps you out of the church? The telestial things of life. So what is the Sermon on the Mount then? Everything else after, the, after verse 2 is designed to do what? There it is. The Sermon on the Mount, which was an ancient temple ceremony, is an invitation to come here. So knowing that, let's notice a couple of these. Let's start in 27. Nope, sorry. Let's start in 21. You have heard that it hath been said by them of old time. So the previous law, the law that got you to the terrestrial world was don't kill. So tell me about telestial law. Tell me about the telestial law. The telestial law allows for murder. The telestial law allows for violence. Telestial world is filled with violence. It is a telestial act to hit and to be violent and cause physical pain and to strike a child. If I hit my wife, that is a very telestial act and my membership in the church should be taken away because I am not living a terrestrial law. That is violence. So you wanna step up, what do you do? What's the change? Don't, don't do that, okay? Don't hit your wife. Don't hit your wife. Don't hit your children. Don't murder. Don't be violent. Don't cause physical pain. Now the Lord says, okay, let me invite you to take the next step. You are obedient to that law and you're not harming people. But guess what you're doing? You're thinking about it. <laughs> You're not doing it, but you wish you could. And that is the next step. So he says in verse 22, but I say unto you what? Whosoever is angry, whosoever calls his brother a name. I don't want you to hit your brother but I don't want you to hit him with the words that hurt him. That's the celestial law. I won't hurt you, even in my heart and in my head. So where do I live the terrestrial law? Symbolically, where do I live the terrestrial law? 
in my hands, right? Where do I live the celestial law? In my heart. Do any of you know if I'm a celestial person? Does my bishop know if I'm a celestial person? Nope. Because where do you live the celestial law? In my heart. See the difference? Let's do sexual transgressions. 27. Or 26. Nope, 27. What was the law that got you to here? You cannot be a member of the church and commit adultery. When I was a missionary, I went to Mexico City on my mission. I went to Mexico. One of the biggest challenges in Mexico is getting married requires you to have a birth certificate. And so many people don't have birth certificates. So I became known as an expert on how to get married if you don't have a birth certificate. Missionaries brought their converts from all over Mexico to my area so we could get married because I knew how to do it. <laughs> because you cannot join the church if you are not married okay that's just a basic terrestrial law you cannot live sexual transgressions you cannot participate in sexual acts outside of the bonds of marriage and live a terrestrial law so do not commit adultery do not commit fornication don't do any of those things and you say lord i'm not i'm not doing them and he says great welcome to the terrestrial world and then he says but you're, you're thinking about them. <laughs> you are wishing you could. And there's the invitation. This is to live the law where? This is to live the law where? So that being said, you see where we're going? Is there a law of chastity in the chapel? And those questions have everything to do with what? Have you committed the act? Is there a law of chastity in the temple? Is it the same thing? No. What's he asking this time? Do you live the terrestrial law of chastity? Do you live the terrestrial law of chastity? So what's the terrestrial law? Do you think and desire inappropriately? I'm working on that, Lord. Okay, come to the temple, we'll practice. And so I'm going to make a covenant in the temple that's not focused on the chapel side of that. I can't even go to the temple if I have a problem with that one, right? If I'm not obeying the chapel law of chastity, can I even go to the temple? So I'm not repeating that one. I'm making a new covenant. Will you obey it in a place you haven't been obeying it? And so he says, will you obey it in your heart? in your head with your eyes so the first thing i'm going to do when i go to the temple is wash my eyes so i stop looking i'm going to wash my head so i stop thinking i'm going to wash my ears so i stop 
hearing. I'm going to wash my heart so that I stop wanting. And if you really push that, I'm going to wash my fingers so I stop tapping. You are violating your temple covenants if you're tapping. And that's what we need to work on. Do you see the power of the temple? Let's do some difficult ones. We got to end. Let's do some difficult ones. How about this one? Verse 38, it hath been said, it hath been written an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Now, we live by what kind of laws in the United States? We are, we are governed by terrestrial laws. Terrestrial laws say, if you hurt me, I sue you. <laughs> if the United States is attacked, then what do we do? Attack. We attack back. That prevents them from attacking us, right? You attack us, we attack you. That is a very what? Tooth for tooth law, and that is a terrestrial law. In other words, what gets you to be terrestrial, what makes you a terrestrial person, I will not steal your teeth and poke your eyes. But if you steal my teeth, I'm going to steal yours. To be the aggressor that walks around poking out eyes and stealing teeth. Sorry, you're living a telestial law. You're a bully, okay? You're a bully and you're living a telestial law. You can't even come into the terrestrial kingdom, the terrestrial world. Now, once you've overcome being a bully, once you no longer poke out eyes and steal teeth, but you do it when they do it to you, you're living a terrestrial law. Now the Lord says what? Don't, do Don't return evil for evil. That's the most natural thing in the world. Someone cuts me off. I honk. Or I salute them with half the peace sign. And say, you hurt me, I hurt you. We live a very terrestrial law. I don't go around flipping people off. But if you cut me off, you better watch out because I feel justified in returning evil for evil. And the Lord says, uh-uh. It's interesting, even in war, do you remember what the law was? He told the Nephites, go to, third Nephi, or go to Alma chapter 43, Alma 43, verse 46. Even in wartime, what was the law? What was the rule? If you want the Lord's help, even in war, Alma 43, there was a fascinating law he gave them. Verse 46. If you want the Lord's help, even in wartime, you can't be guilty of what? The first or? Why not guilty of the second? That's retaliation. If you want the Lord's help, you cannot be guilty of the first. What kind of people are guilty of the first offense? Telestial. What kind of people are guilty of the second? There it is. You want my help? You cannot be guilty of the first or the second offense. Now, if Doctrine and Covenants, he, he ratches that up a notch and says, you can't even be guilty of the third. You see the attitude? 
returning evil for evil is terrestrial. Um, let's do one more. Back in Third Nephi, who do celestial people love? They only love one person. Who do celestial people love? That's it. They love themselves. The celestial kingdom is for people who love themselves and seek their own glory. Who do terrestrial people love? They love those who love them. Now that's easy love. It's easy to love someone who loves you and hate someone who hates you. That's retaliatory, right? Reciprocatory. Who do celestial people love? Those who don't deserve to be loved. Thank goodness God loves me when I don't deserve his love. If he only loved me when I deserve his love, I am in trouble. But God lives what law? And he loves me when? Even when I don't deserve his love. So a husband and wife trying to be celestial in their love. It's easy for me to love her when she loves me. It's easy for me to do nice things to her when she does nice things to me. But what's the real test of my love? Will I return good for not good? Will I choose the moment where she has said something to me that was not nice? Not that my wife ever does that. But would I choose that moment to love her? They're celestial. You see the challenge? Now, we're now going to take a deep dive into the symbols and the covenants so that we can begin to understand what are the covenants I make to overcome my terrestrial man and change my inside. Now, are we going to wash this guy? Are we going to wash this guy? What part of this guy do we wash? What do we wash here? Whole thing, right? You got to put the whole thing under the water. We got to wash the whole thing. We go into the temple and now what do we wash? Symbolically, what do we wash? Now, I can't wash what I look at, so I'm going to wash my eyes. I can't wash what I think about, so I'm going to wash my head. Do you see it? You see the connection? All right, that's the journey we're on, is to find out what is the terrestrial habit I need to let go of and how do I live it? And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.